Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 388. Simple, approachable, non-tech, tech, tech solutions are out there. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me here today. New to the show? Welcome! I'm so glad you're here. In these past seven years, we've covered a lot of ground. How to start and grow your business, stories from many of you who have done just that, how to choose and use social media sites, build your website. Oh my gosh, there is so much information here for you, but not necessarily easily at your fingertips. So I've created a tool for you that categorizes by topic the episodes of this podcast, but only the ones that stay relevant over time. Because yes, there are some from past years that just don't make sense for us anymore today. The world is changing so fast, right? You can use this tool to zero in on whatever topic you need at the moment. Do you want to hear from others in your industry specifically? How about details on Pinterest or setting up an email strategy? You can now easily find the right episodes and create your own priority listening roster. Consider this your Gift Biz Resource Center at a glance. It's a Google Sheet best viewable by your computer versus your phone. Make sure to look on the bottom where there are five separate sections for easy topic reference, kind of like chapters of a book. I've never seen another podcast do this, and I wish they would. It makes finding the shows that you need based on what you're working on right now so much easier. To access this free resource, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash topics. And speaking of topics, today we're talking technology as it applies to retail, which may lead you to think brick and mortar. While that's true, we spin the conversation around to digital retail, and in truth, in today's world, selling both online and in person brings the most strength to your handmade business. You'll hear a casual back and forth conversation on all of this, including many resources, best practices, and ideas to consider for enhancing your sales. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Christine Russo. Christine and the Retail Creative and Consulting Agency sit at the intersection of information and innovation, serving the industry of retailers and retail technology. She runs Connected Retail and produces short-form videos about the technology used in the retail industry. Her founders' interviews have become well-known for authentic reporting and information and are growing into a global go-to resource. Christine helps retailers solve major pain points, understand and use new technical solutions, and digitize their brick-and-mortar locations, and even more. So don't pop out if you don't have a brick-and-mortar location. There's some goodness in here for you as well. Russo, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Hi, Sue. I am so thrilled to have you here. 
I have absolutely no idea where our conversation is going to go. So this is really exciting for me. Let's keep guessing. Yes, we're going to just keep guessing until we get started. But before we go anywhere, I'd like to ask you about my traditional question, which is a motivational candle. So if you were to share with us a little bit about who you are by color and maybe a quote or a saying or something that is a motto that's present in your life, what would that look like? Okay, so my motivational candle would be very, it would actually feel like a hug because sometimes we just need a hug to keep going. And the scent that feels the most huggish to me is oud, O-U-D. So really anything with notes of oud, it's usually like our base. And sometimes they add some top notes onto there. But as long as it's got that woodsy, huggy, feel good scent to it, it keeps me going. It's the wind on my back. I think you want a color also, right? If one comes to mind and you want to give it for sure. Well, it's this big time secret, which I guess is no longer a secret because I'm here talking about it. But my favorite color, I don't tell anyone. So seriously. Okay. Nobody say anything. It's a secret for all of us. My favorite color is lavender, and I find it to have very ethereal and spiritual elements to it. It's associated with your highest level of chakras, and sort of it takes me out of my own myopic space, makes me think bigger. So those two things keep me going. And then as far as the phrase... So I like to say when I'm up against like a challenge and let's say there's in a chat, listen, it's called work. Like it's not play. So it's not always easy, but I like to tell myself play chess, not checkers. So we're in this for the long game. We're in this for strategy. We may not get that move, but we're playing the longer strategic view. So you may lose some, but ultimately in the end, checkmate. You know, really important message, because I think a lot of people, when they hit their first failure, it's like, this didn't work. Maybe I'm not cut out for it automatically they start thinking they should be jumping ship and self-doubt comes in right away. Where if we're doing what you're talking about, where, yeah, it's the long game, chess moves, checkmate, you know what, all of the strategy behind the entire game, not just each individual move is what matters. I spent my first, I'm going to say two years, it might've been three years. So I was a corporate person, worked in corporate, started in one type of business and migrated over to corporate retail and then went out on my own. And I spent the first two to three years on my own building my business in the absolute kind of mega, mega, mega highs and mega, mega, mega lows that entrepreneurship has. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I won this. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I lost that. They said they'd do it. Yay. And it's for this price. Oh, they came back and they said, and the super highs and the super lows. At one point I said, that's it. I'm done with this. Like, okay, the successes are great. The losses feel terrible. But like, I can't thrive. I can't be a good manager. I can't be a good strategist if I'm always way up or always way down. This is, I'm done. I'm going to go right in the middle with a level head and just shrug when there's a great win and shrug when there's a loss and keep the eye on the ball, the end result. Like, did you know that's how they walk a tightrope? They don't look down, right? They don't look at each footstep. They look at where they're going. Oh, no, I didn't know that. But that makes total sense because if you look down, first of all, you get so disoriented. So look at the end game. But I also think, and to your point about not too high and not too low, enjoying the whole journey along the way. Like, no, those lows, when things don't work out, they don't feel good at all. But then when you get to the point where things are working, you can say, oh my gosh, look at where I've come from. 
Like two months ago, this is how I was feeling. I was so discouraged and yay me for figuring it out and getting there. So it's all of that. So the strategy, the long game. There's actually a social media trend going around where it says, if you knew that you would succeed on the 27th try, on the 46th try, on the 52nd try, would you be willing to fail, fall down, fail 26 times or 45 times or whatever the other number is, minus one? And the answer always is yes. So how do you know when that success is coming? Yeah, we just don't get to know. So we have to enjoy the unknown for a while. And then it gets revealed to us, I guess I'd say. The other thing I really like about your quote is the hugs, especially with what your area of focus is, because technology sounds so heavy, especially for people who aren't comfortable with it. I see technology in our area here being a real barrier. People will just automatically say, I'm not good at tech. You know, just like how people will say, I'm no good with money or you know anything. I'm not good with tech. They'll stay away from certain things that they should be integrating into their business because it would really help them because they have this idea over tech. So when you say hugs and just feel good and support and all of that, that makes tech feel much more comfortable. I would suggest this. I hear you on that. And it's like some people still can't use the remote control, right? I get it. I totally get it. I'm kind of one of those people. Also, I mean, tech has really kind of taken on its own entity, but I sort of want to equate it to going on a diet. Like who sticks to a diet? Like, it's like, who wants to learn tech? It's like, absolutely not. I want to just go about my business, right? So with regard to incorporating or considering tech, the first thing you want to do for even the smallest businesses, write down the things that you are terrible at, that you don't enjoy, that you've made mistakes in that have cost you money and or customers. Start with writing down those things. Maybe you keep like a list and it's like, oh, I didn't, I sold out of that and I didn't take it off my website. Let's just say, okay. And I had an unhappy customer and they're not coming back. Example, I didn't have the right staff. I didn't know we were going to get that much foot traffic. Okay, let's just say whatever it is. And they could be really, really small things. And if you do that, then the next step would be to bucket them by type. Maybe it's employee-based. Maybe it's inventory-based. Maybe it's time management-based. Maybe it's creative and marketing-based, emails, whatever. I hate sending emails. I hate writing emails. All the things you hate, all the things you're terrible at, all the things that don't bring you joy. And then look for solutions because I can assure you that every one of those things you don't like, there's a solution, a simple solution to do it for you. A simple tech solution? Simple tech solution to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then here's the key thing because all of that is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you hate that thing enough, you will work for that solution. You will seek out that solution and maybe you need help. And certainly I don't recommend technology. I'm here to assure everyone that simple, approachable, non-tech, tech, tech solutions are out there. And so I would maybe put them in touch with companies that can recommend a tech solution for them. And so it's a process. It's like if you're going to invest time in buying merchandise or gifts for your store and inventory, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to put my solution finding hat on and I'm going to speak to the person who gets me, who understands my business. I'm small enough and understands what I hate to do and what kind of a solution I need. Those resources are out there. Technology is not just for the biggest of the big. And one of my sayings is, 
technology can help small business do big things. Ooh, I like that a lot. <laughs> Perked my ears. <laughs> yes. Did everyone hear that? Say it again. Technology can help small business do big things. Okay. Because we're all wanting to do big things and we know that there are obstacles and technology right now might be one of your keys. If there's something you're stuck on, you're just not getting to that next level, listen up because this might be the solution here for you. As I was listening to you talk, I think it might be good to start with what your definition of technology is. Okay. So with the focus on whether it's digital, so e-commerce stores or brick and mortar stores or both. Okay. So technology is a service provider or service system that just takes care of a task for you. That's it. That's all it is. So we could send, it's a technology that you subscribe to and it sends your emails for you. And it resends your emails to the ones that weren't opened. And then it also sends emails that maybe over 90 days give people a, you set a preset and it gives them a discount to come back. Yeah. So it's any additional support that's running, possibly automated, possibly triggered by you, whatever the resource is, however it's set up, going through the computer, dealing with whatever position in your business needs help at the time, there is a technology solution available, which means you're not manually doing it. Maybe that's the way to say it. Is that a separation point? Yeah. I mean, automation is scary for retailers because there's a lack of trust, right? Well, how do I know? I want to check that. I need to manually do it. So I double check it. So you take baby steps to get there. And yes. So I don't want people to think, well, I have to do it manually because I always want to check it along the way. I can assure you that if you take the time to set something up properly from the beginning, you don't have to check it along the way. And you can build in checkpoints where you're like, I don't want to do that sale this week. I actually want to hold off on that because my foot traffic's been good. See, especially smaller retail is very, very tactical. It's very of the moment. Like yesterday is going to inform tomorrow and today is going to inform the next day. And so a lot of people want that manual decision-making, reactive decision-making. And so factor that in, we can factor that in. And then you can still take those things you hate, take those things you make mistakes at, take those opportunities you missed, broke sale at the wrong time. I mean, look at where you lost business and say, how did that happen? How can I? Because it's not always you fixing it. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just also going to bring up parallel with your history. And I'd love for you to shoot out some of the big name retailers that you've worked with before, because I just think it's interesting for people to hear. But I'm also going to say that in my corporate life, I also worked with some larger retailers, not as much in the fashion brand as you, but in more mass retailer, grocery, that kind of thing. And here, because I'm going to say what not to do, I'm not going to say who the names are. But it was shocking to me that some of these huge top position brands had so much lacking behind the scenes in terms of systems. And you would think that because the name is so big, they'd have it all wrapped up. They'd have it all figured out. It would be tied up in a bundle and working so smooth. And it was shocking to me that it wasn't. And the only reason I really bring that up is because everyone's always working on this. And even though you're small and maybe that feels challenging, that doesn't mean that you can't do it. If some of the big guys have struggles and challenges with it and are able to overcome it, so can you. You're totally right. Look, 
I worked in corporate retail and my job was to build stores for them. So that was J. Crew, Kenneth Cole, Alison Olivia, Steve Madden around the world. And usually in Asia, there was a lot more technology involved inside the store. But domestic, yeah, actually, it was pretty simple. It was like four walls and a cash racks. And it's crazy if you think if you go into a Nike or an Apple, you go in and they ring you out right on their little device. You don't go to a cash wrap. That's what how technology looks like inside of a store, simply speaking. And actually, based on POSs today, you can do that as well. You can be as convenient as Nike. Can you imagine? I mean, I can tell you that there are stores like the ones I worked at that do not do that, but you can. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of different places where things got stuck as simple as we know, you know, our inventory says we have one more of these left, but gosh knows if they could find it, you know, and in the back of the room, like where it was supposed to be, it wasn't there, but everyone said that you could find it. Things like that. Checkout centers, traffic flow patterns in terms of when to put employees in place because it's heavier time. So you want to staff up a little bit at that time all of those things over to the point of when client recognition systems started coming in, like all the reward cards and all of that, which also helped start tracking. That's also technology, right? Great learning for all of us. So everyone's struggling and trying to do technology better, I think. But again, I just want to lay the premise that don't feel like if you're not a big brand, this doesn't apply to you. It actually can be a lot easier when you're smaller because you don't have to ask anybody for permission and justify why you want to bring a new thing in to use because you do it. You run the show. I left corporate retail and then I work with independent retail now. So I work with small businesses because I Mm -hmm. wanted to deal with the decision maker and just kind of move things along. Yes, no, okay, and we move on, right? So I definitely am very strongly entrenched in that community. My area is mostly women's apparel, but actually I'm part of an organization and they have a lot of craft stores and quilt stores and yarn stores. And we recognize that retail is of all shapes and sizes. So, and I'm really enjoying being part of that world. And like I said, I look through the lens of that size business for solutions. But some of the things you talked about, yes, are very solvable. I would say, be very careful. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't get a bad feeling. Don't drown. Don't overpay. Don't be oversold something. But there is so much SaaS, S-A-A-S, stands for software as a solution, okay? Tons of those options out there in all of the different categories we've touched on, inventory control, employee management, email, and you pay monthly. I don't know. We haven't really determined how many of the listeners have online stores, but you can have upselling and recommendations, just software as a service on your website. So they buy a candle and maybe they want like a cozy cashmere blanket to go with it. Okay. And that can be a suggestion. And that's done kind of automatically. Just like this is what's going on, if you really must know. All of the selling that was brick and mortar before really online selling, the clienteling, the communication, the client book, all those things have all been automated for digital e-commerce sites. Okay. So everything we did tactically is now available technologically for e-com sites. And then all the conveniences from e-commerce sites, like various forms of payment, being able to pay with either a QR code or your phone, 
are all going back into brick and mortar. I mean, think of it as like, this is going this way and this is going this way and everything's just getting better. So what happened, let me give you an example, is we were in lockdown, we shopped online, we had all this great checkout and payment options. Gosh, I could pay with Venmo, great. Or buy now, pay later, which increases the overall purchase, right? Because you're spreading it out or buying gifts and it's just widely accepted right now. And then you go into a store and it's like, open your wallet, take out a card or cash and pay. And it's slow and you don't have other payment options. You don't have buy now, pay later. It's like you went back in time. You went back to like 1982. What? So the first thing you want to do is say, well, the customer likes these things when they go online and check out at walmart.com. How do I get that in my store? There's a ton of value for getting it in your store too, because you've just freed up space to put more product. So square foot allocation, sales versus support and services changes now because of technology. I wasn't even thinking that when we were getting started. Yes. And I also, what would you say, Russo, about, I don't see a fine line anymore between if you have a retail location, and I'm going to put this in for all of our makers who do craft shows, because that's also face-to-face selling. So I want to put that there versus having an online presence. We need both in this day and age, because if someone's coming into your retail shop, wants to repurchase, but can't make it there, and you have that same product online, they can do a repeat purchase online. Same thing with someone who's looking at your website and all of a sudden see, oh my gosh, you're going to be at the farmer's market right in my community this weekend. So then they can come and see you in person, get questions answered, pick up the product right away, maybe sample some things. So I see both of these very much overlapping with each other. It's not just, oh, you're brick and mortar or you're online. The best practice as you evolve, like, of course, you don't necessarily do this all at one time, but is to have both of them and they don't play independently. They overlap with each other. So the technology also allows you to take an experience someone's having at your craft booth, they click a QR code, register for your sweepstakes. Now all of a sudden they're on your email list. Now they're going to be able to get your emails. And what portion of that process did you have to do? Say hello, welcome them, show them the QR code, tell them the value of signing up and that's it. And everything else then happens. And that just streamlines your whole opportunity to do more of those than the manual steps that we used to have to do in the past. You're absolutely right. And one thing that might either scare people or make them excited, hopefully make them excited, because a website can be very scary. So let's talk about digital retail. So people think I have a store, I have a website, website is digital retail. So digital retail, one of the ways is a website, okay? There are many other ways and some are very sophisticated. So we'll not talk about that. They require teams. We're not doing that. Let's take something that sounds like complicated, but it's really not. And it's a lot easier than a website. And that's, well, you have e-commerce, which is your website. This is called social commerce. What is social commerce? Social commerce is live streaming, selling, through you sign up with a service provider that allows you to do that. Okay. And there are many. And so you are basically doing QVC, your own QVC, your own QVC. And I think that suits this crowd really well, because you may or may not need a website for it. You may need it to just hold your inventory, but let's keep it simple for right now, where you're at a farmer's market, you have your phone filming you and you're talking let's say traffic is slow and you're selling stuff. They're actually checking out. That's why you need technology to do it. 
they're checking out through that service provider and buying the stuff. You're going to have to triple your inventory for that and bring someone with you to handle the in-person people and sell out online. And if you cultivate that, hey guys, we're going to be live at the farmer's market this Thursday. And then you just constantly let them know where you're going to be. People crave it because now customers in Ohio are having the Pennsylvania farmer's market experience. Holiday markets. You have to tell them about it, right? So that's your email list. That's your automatic emailing. That's all of that. And then you just do it. I'm going to give you a hack. If you don't want to sign up with a technology company, okay, have a second person there, put it on your live. There's different social channels. You can do it. Let's say Instagram. Okay. Instagram live. And that person who's holding the camera or filming or speaking, someone can be in your DM and they're like, I want that one. Great. Go to your square, swipe it, market, shipping label, gone. When you think digital, it doesn't have to be .com. That's really true. And I see, you know, the whole social as you're talking about. We've talked here about really very structured on-air shows that are daily shows. Those of you who are listeners, go back and listen to Adrienne's boutique. You'll hear exactly how she does all of that. It's all structured, and that's a perfect example of technology. But I'll even say, yes, it's great to have somebody who's helping you at the booth if you're at a show, because technology aside, if you have sales that need to get checked out and you have someone who's still looking, those are two different functions. You can't do both. You need some help. But let's also talk about those times that happen with any show at some point, you know, if you're out doing shows. It is pouring rain and nobody is coming. So then this is downtime. You're not doing anything but standing and in your booth. Pull out your phone like Russo's saying, even if it's just you and saying, hey, I'm at this show. This is part of the gig, you know, of when we do craft shows. It is pouring rain. There's nobody here. But let me share with you what's happened so far. Our biggest seller has been this. And of these two colors, guess which one's the most popular? Like just chat and enjoy. Oh, by the way, if you like these, here's how you could get one, you know, like however you'd want to do it. So this is a way to use what you would once think is downtime to your advantage through technology. I am so glad, Russo, you brought that up because it happens all the time. I'm happy we did that. And it goes, the same conversation is a slow Tuesday in your store, hop on the phone, hop on your live. Yeah. So I do believe in structure and I want to check out that episode and I encourage everyone to do it as Sue said, but yeah, for sure. Part of the success and engagement, that higher success and a lot of engagement is the authenticity of lives in the sense of like, maybe you're like going in and out of the stock room and you're just carrying them with you. Like you would not believe what people like to see the real deal. And I can't imagine a more real group of people than the people listening to this podcast and how interesting that is. You have a huge community, huge. And all the material you have, because if you're making product, if you're out showing product, if you're getting inventory in that are the pieces and the parts of the jewelry that you make, you got a brand new fun tool that you've never tried before. And so you want to experiment with it. There is so much content for a maker. No maker can say they lack content. That's for sure. Hold tight. Our conversation will continue right after this short break to hear from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. 
wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Well, I don't know how, if this group has engaged or even just looked from a spectator standpoint, but the amount of makers and doing exactly what you said, Sue, which is like, here's my new tool. Here's me cutting metal that's on TikTok. I mean, you have to be ready for your business to totally blow up if you are prepared for that. And we can have a whole other conversation about that if you want, but that's social commerce. And then you have to think also, okay, let's say you don't want to sell there. It's awareness. You have your website link in there or you have your store phone number. Keep it easy. But think about awareness and people are actually interested to see your process. I mean, I consider myself a maker, but I don't make everything. So I like to see what's behind what someone is making, like leather making, like belts and purses and all that. I wouldn't have the slightest clue. That would be so interesting, just a little peek. But you know what happens is a lot of people are like, well, I'm not going to give away how I do this. It's out there. It's already out there from somebody, right? Everybody is showing everything on TikTok. Yeah. And that's why I really kind of lean towards authentic truth versus, you know, gatekeeping, polished, scripted. Uh, You want to be really careful. And part of it has to do with your customer base, but they're generationally Gen Z, millennials. They want it as real as possible. And I've seen a ton of leather making on TikTok and it's fascinating. They burn it, they do this, they file it. I mean, it's kind of incredible. They're not hiding anything. And you have the opportunity for people to fall in love with you then because no one else can be you. I mean, this is the thing I try to remind everybody, including myself, when I'm doing these reminders, it's not just for everybody else, it's for me too, but is that pretty much everybody can duplicate something that you make. Now, it's not necessarily like if you draw, your style is different, but there are other people who make greeting cards or other people who do watercolor or, you know, whatever, different styles, right? But nobody can recreate your personality and the way you communicate and the way you talk and the way you show up. And when you start doing lives, people gravitate to you who feel comfortable with you, like your style, and then they want to support you and buy from you. And you can't do that with just static posts, even carousel posts. Lives and videos are where you get that across. I totally agree. Video is so much more engaging. I just want to add one more thing to the authenticity conversation. And then one more thing in case people Mm -hmm. are like, I could never, because I could never is not what we do here. So when you think about if you're going to show creating, or if you think about create, what you want to do is it's not just create, it's create and educate. I follow a watercolorist. I bought watercolors. I don't want her. She's like, we're going to make a sky and an ocean now. I'm like, I'm doing that. You know, I bought it. Did I ever do it? No. She's like, you do this, you do that. I mean, you have to have confidence in your ability as a creator and artist to really engage with people with your product. 
and not gatekeep and worry that you're going to be copied or whatever, but there's a real process sharing. So think about create and educate when you think about videos and content. And then one more thing, I can't do that. I can't be out there. I don't want people to fall in love with me and my style. As you said, Sue, you can do all of this and still be off camera. Believe it or not, you can have video with your voiceover with zoomed in over your process or whatever it is. You can even not have your voice. You can have text read by the app. So all of those hurdles, and they are real. We don't like to hear our voice and see ourselves. It's just not, we all kind of feel like, Ugh. Uh, <laughs> they've taken away all the excuses to really kind of get out there. Darn, they've taken away all the excuses. <laughs> get yourself a huggy candle and just jump right in. There you go. Perfect. Okay, to make this actionable for people who are listening, if someone was just, I don't even know if you're, this is going to be able to be answered, but I'm going for it. If someone was just starting their business, are there a few core either recommendations you already have or just the section of the business, things that they should start with? You know how people are, they like following step-by-step -step instructions. So are there certain things when you're just starting your business, maybe three or four that you should be looking at, not necessarily all at once, one by one, but that you should be including in your business? What kind of business? A maker business. So someone is selling, they're a knitter. So right now they're only selling products. They're not educating, not doing patterns and anything like that. They're just starting. Because I guarantee you, whatever you say here, if you have an answer to this, there will be people who have businesses that are more established farther along who don't have these included either. Okay. Which is fine. That's why we're doing this is what would you suggest people make sure to start with? So in this example, it's a knitter with finished goods that they've created. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the most important thing is sales, right? We want to get sales. So how do we eliminate the boundaries to that and raise awareness? So the first, I mean, obviously you need a social media account, right? Everyone needs Instagram. Got to do it. It's an e-commerce, like hiding e-commerce place. You got to get into that, right? You must have that. You have to have a landing page, one page that kind of is a video of you in slow motion creating something. And it's a button that says, click here to learn more. It doesn't have to lead to a list of products. You can just actually click to your email. Want to learn more? Go here. Those are both really simple starting places. Now, let's say the creator has a bunch of product, right? There's product. Have you heard of FAIR? Oh yeah. Open a FAIR account. Now, FAIR, the financials of FAIR are whatever they are, but- Which means you'd be going after wholesale then not direct to consumer, if that's your strategy. Well, actually, let's back up. I love wholesale and wholesale is back. So wholesale, as far as launching a business is back. Mm -hmm. So awareness among other stores, other entities, I think is important mm -hmm. depending on the business, the pricing, et cetera. Direct to consumer is getting more and more and more and more expensive to get customers. So the CAC, which stands for CAC, customer acquisition cost. So that is why a multi-prong approach is really important. Now, back to that Instagram, I don't know the cohort of this business that's starting, but I would also recommend that they get on TikTok. TikTok is the best direct to consumer methodology. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So those are different things that come to your mind than come to my mind. So what do you think about having your accounting system in place? So you're tracking your sales. Do you think that's an important starting point? Well, there's inventory and there's invoicing. And unfortunately, in our world, there are two separate things and it's terrible. It's really awful, actually. What I would do for someone starting their business, because Shopify just added wholesale, open a Shopify account. You can do your retail there. I mean, it's like crazy. It's the one. It grows with you. So they have your direct-to-consumer business. You can add on so many apps, which getting back to technology, like easy peasy, easy peasy. So you've got the direct-to-consumer. They just added wholesale, okay? And then through Shopify, you can actually integrate with, let's say, a fair. Or you can use the wholesale piece of Shopify if you wanted to, in your own hometown, target stores and say, would you carry my stuff? Do you like my stuff? And then think about trade shows, right? To reach those stores. Maybe you could go to trade shows with your product, not inventory, but like you go with your samples and you reach them that way. So there are gift shows. You know about the gift show, right? In Atlanta. Oh yeah. We actually exhibit at some of those shows. You know, there's gift shows all over the country. Gift shows, candy shows. Oh yeah. The New York Now. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. One of a kind shows, all of those. Some are direct to consumer, some are wholesale, but I'll tell you the direct to consumer, there are a lot of smaller boutique owners who go looking for people to place their products. And I just thought of this too. If you guys go back a couple of episodes back, we're talking about Stackable, which is um, similar to FAIR, but very much geared to brand new wholesalers. So if you're interested in wholesale, go back and listen to that one too. Stackable? I'll check it out. Stockable, S-T-O-C-K-A-B-L. Okay, great. Yeah, and it's very much the starting wholesale person. Smaller accounts. You know, if you're just getting started, you got to start somewhere. It goes up to bigger people too, but another option in addition to FAIR. Okay, and I wanted to get your idea of just a few things that you thought should be in place for people who are listening, who are considering starting their business, like give them a little direction on where you think that they should be starting to put in and integrate technology. I just always go back to thinking about one person I was working with when I went in and started talking with her about her business and how everything was going. And she was still manually writing down all of her sales. And I'm like, how are you doing your sales report at the end of the month? And she was going back to these pieces of paper. And I'm like, if you get audited, you're going to be in for one load of a headache. (laughs) You know, so I remember that. And I think, you know, when you think you're small, you don't need all of these things but way easier to get things in place earlier than later. I would take that a step further because reconciling sales at the end of the month, you just look in your bank account. That's what people do. The issue here is, are you investing in the things that are selling and growing your business where it should be? So the most important documentation and why you need to have a system. And yeah, I feel like people open their eyes and first go, let me start a business. I'll go on Shopify and then figure out what they want to do. Right. They go backwards. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. So that's how imperative Shopify is to a smaller business. But anyway, let's go back. So you're on order, orders placed, Okay. Orders received. Now, if you're making it still within Shopify, you can have the costs involved in orders made. Let's say makers, orders made, orders received, and then what's sold because you're running around in your business. Next thing you know, you have like 47 knit blue turtles. I don't know. Like what just happened here? 
you don't have a top line view of your business. And mm-hmm. that's where small businesses make a huge mistake. They think I have money in the bank. I don't have money in the bank. I'm selling. I'm not selling. That's too common. And then really bad, a bad habit that gets hard to break because all of that upfront paperwork, let's talk about stuff you don't have time for finding new technology and doing the upfront paperwork. Both of those <laughs> help you actually thrive and be profitable. Saves you time in the long run, but not in the short run, because you have to put it up, get it set up. But then once it's set up, you're saving time forever. You're saving time, but you're making money. Okay. So the thing about profitability is not money in the bank, right? It's actual profit. And you need the right record keeping going into the business to understand if you're actually making money. And that has nothing to do with actual cash flow. So the thing about quote unquote, retail selling makers, it's like a lot of math and a lot of counting that everyone hates because you want to be a creator and you want to be an artist and you want to curate your store and your line, your vibe. Well, unfortunately, you have to do the other things if you really want to be profitable. Now, if you hate it, like I said, you find people and things to do stuff that you hate doing, but you don't just not do it. That's the first thing I took off my desk when I started my first business was a bookkeeper. Like I can do the numbers. I know how to do math. I, you know, I had my software that I was using, but did I want to do it? And did I want to do data entry and reconciliation and all that? Gosh, no. And that sounds so like, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. But it could be an hour a month someone has to do if you're just starting out so affordable for you. And then as you grow, then their time grows. And that's replicable with lots of different things. Some things you want to keep for yourself and some things, you know, you want to hand out as you grow. So, okay, this has been wonderful. You talked a little bit, Instagram, TikTok, of course. We talked about FAIR. I added Stackable. I love that you are a partner advocate with me with Shopify for sure. Are there any other programs that you just by name want to spit out for everybody just for them to think about? So for that live selling, one of the easier ones for smaller business that they might want to check out is called Comment Sold. Mm-hmm. One for small business, but there are comments sold was kind of the first one, but now there are lots and lots and lots. And some of them are too expensive. So they're too big. They're like for big, big, you know, big, but comments sold, the fees are very affordable. Yeah. And that's the one I was mentioning when I was talking about that other podcast that I did. Vicky uses comments sold. So and she does a live show every single day. So you guys could go into her live show and see how comments sold works from a customer end. Super easy there. They actually got bought. So, oh, they did? Yeah. So they just added within the website video selling. It's kind of a big technology. Oh, it's for an established, you know, if you're established website. But there's nothing I love more than when you can grow into a technology and not like have it work for you now and grow out and find new. Ugh, it's the worst. When they span from like small to, you know, they can help, they can actually partner with you as you grow. I agree with that totally. What about some type of a CRM platform? You know, what do you recommend for people there? I mean, so let's say they're on Shopify, right? I like, I mean, for someone their size, a lot of people use OmniSend, which is an email system, but also can see what I love is segmentation, but it has to be simple. So in this world, maybe there's like, a lot of gift givers, but then there are a lot of people who want to buy for themselves. 
So you can see when you have people come around every like November and then they don't come around any other time because they're going to be a gift giver, right? Yeah. So with OmniSend, are you able to figure out where those purchases are by time of the year or are you tagging them based on when they're purchasing? No, they do it for you. Okay. So it's a more advanced level of something like MailChimp. It's more advanced. It has more features than something like MailChimp. It's the same. Okay. All of those like CRM email things are commoditized. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? They're all the same. So your choice should come down to what is easier for you to use and the cost and their customer service. Like if you have problems, that's it. So MailChimp's just as good. Okay. All right. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I think that's given people a start. And for those of you who are listening who are like, CRM, I've got it. Bookkeeping, I've got it. I'm doing lives. I got it. I'm on Instagram. I'm everything. And I'm wholesaling. Then kudos for you. (laughs) You've got it all covered. This has been wonderful, Russo. What else would you like to say just in summary to our audience? And then also, what do you offer? And if there's something that you think that would be valuable for us to know about you, where would we go to find more? Oh, that's great. So first of all, I am in the business of advice. So anyone can email me and be like, hey, I liked what you said about that. Who should I speak to? I'm not in this like pay for play gatekeeping world because that just, I'm in it for the community. So anyone can email me if they want to ask specific questions. My email is christine at rccagency.com. So there's that. I'm prolific on LinkedIn, but it's a much for more of a bigger retailer. So, but if they want, they can look up Christine Russo and get inspired to grow really, really big. So I can definitely make recommendations and none of it is affiliate links. None of it is, there's no financial motivation. One of the things I would say that in terms of tier two level, and it sounds like you do have some pretty sophisticated businesses and established businesses is one of the most overlooked aspects of getting help outside of your own amazing skill set is inventory planning. Okay. Oh, Lord, it is the most important thing and nobody wants to really. Well, because we have inventory of the parts that we use in production, and then we also have inventory for the pieces that are already made. So there's a lot there. Right. So as I said, what I would recommend, if you have any interest in getting any kind of support there, I do have a resource for you and I can put you in touch with them and they work in this exact world. Now, to me, the difference between profits and not profits, because it's so funny, people get to the end of the year and they're like, I didn't make any money. But I sold so much. But I sold so much. How did I not actually make money? So if you have a real interest in actual profitability and longevity in your business, I would really say, all right, you know what? I think I'm ready to look forward in a real way. In other words, you're going to pay to have someone help you look forward and you're going to make enough money that it covers that cost. And then some retail makers, it's a business of looking backwards. Hey, I did this. Maybe I'll do this, but that's just not enough. There's a real science to it that if you partner with the right company and people and maybe an app, there are a lot of resources out there. I personally think the apps are very like to go forward and be like, I'll just get an inventory planning app, uh, Shopify. They're very, very complicated. They have too much information. So what do you do? 
So you're talking about the in the inventory arena specifically, right? Well, inventory and also like, okay, as you said, component pieces. Because if you're going to eventually make something, you have to back into the inventory. Right. But that whole area versus other apps that Shopify has. You're just talking about the inventory one is very and more complex. Not inventory tracking, inventory forecast. Like what do you do going forward? Planning. Okay. Gotcha. All right. And if someone wanted to have that conversation with you, then they can email you about that. Thank you so much. This has been very interesting, just a great conversation about what technology can do for your business. And hopefully we've put some thoughts in some of our listeners' minds as to ways that they can improve, become more effective and more productive so that they can sell more. This was great. I love your format. I really appreciate it. My mom's name is Sue, so I'm happy about that. There you go. (laughs) Thanks again, Russo. All right. Take care. Tech is not something to be fearful of but to be embraced to help you expand. We covered a lot of ground in the episode today. I've listed all the resources we discussed in the show notes so you can access them there. If I had to identify the most important takeaway from all the things we discussed in this interview, it's to take Russo's advice and have a system in place to track sales. Obviously, your business runs off the sales that come in. Having the knowledge of where they come from, ensuring that you have product to fulfill the orders, and knowing what to double down on because it's producing can mean everything to the future of your business. Just a quick reminder that I'm looking for motivated handmade product business owners to sign up to do a Gift Biz Boost, which is a podcast interview for this show. During our time together, you'll get a free business coaching session from me, giving you clear action steps that will boost your business growth. And of course, as a guest on the show, you'll be able to promote your business to get more visibility too. I'm doing these on a first-come, first-served basis, so head over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash boost to sign up for your session today. I can't wait to give you a boost. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week to get reaction from other people and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today. Today.